0: The following podcast has coarse language, sensitive subjects, and might make it hard for you to fall asleep tonight. Listener discretion is advised. The concept of non-existence has always been hard for us. We are energy. Our bodies are just a flash in time and space. So when we die, we may be hesitant to move on. When you look at life from the outside, it becomes more clear, and you want to reclaim the space in which you once existed, even though it's no longer yours. You will protect it. You become the shadows, the uncomfortable feeling in a room, or the figure that the living see out of the corner of their eye. You become the space that you once occupied, and you will not leave it, even when the darkness is calling you. Welcome to the world beyond the veil, this is Geist. It's the mid-90s. A quiet home sits vacant, and all there is to be heard are the rustles of leaves, as rays of sunshine cast over centuries of footsteps. Echoes of silence are interrupted by the turn of a door handle, and Kate's story begins.
1: I grew up in the city of Burlington, the house where I was raised as a child was a, uh, really old, original farmhouse right on the lakeshore. When I was a a young teenager, we moved into uh, an old Tudor home. It was uh, er, built in the early 1920s. The history of the house is really interesting. It was built in 1922-ish, give or take. It was uh, designed and built and then gifted as a wedding gift to a uh, newlywed couple from US and it was for use um, as a summer home so the initial owners only were present in the summer and then they would lock it up and leave for the winter I knew it was gonna be an interesting space because uh, one of the first memories I have of that house is walking in through the garage door into uh, the basement of the home and it was set up as a church There were uh, a number of church pews laid out. It was used for holding a Sunday service for the immediate community and neighborhood.
0: Although Kate grew up in an older house, this one didn't feel like home.
1: So I was about 14 when we moved into that house. And going into that house, I remember not wanting to have moved there. I was away at summer camp and I never got to see the house before my parents bought it, so I wasn't a part of that whole experience. So the day we moved in was the first time I ever laid eyes on the house. It was creepy. There were crosses hanging in every room. You know, the house itself was relatively turn of the century, so uh, I had as a child grown up in an old house, so it's not that I wasn't used to it. but. It was a lot more grand than I was used to. You know, the property was big, the house was big. There was old maids' quarters. It was a very different life, and so all of it in its entirety felt uncomfortable.
0: This uncomfort was recognized by other members of the family.
1: Many times, I I didn't feel anything. Um, there were there were so many days and months and weeks that that went by where nothing happened and everything felt really normal, but there were certain times of the year, um, typically always in the summer, um, that the mood in the house was heavy and definitely shifted. And I most certainly wasn't the only person that felt that it was something that my siblings would feel my, um, My dad never mentioned it, my mom did, and definitely lots of guests that we had um, made note and made comment about um, the energy in the house. Um, There was an energy, there was a a heaviness sometimes. There was definitely the feeling of a presence.
0: Kate tried her best to settle in.
1: I moved into the upstairs attic, which was the old maid quarters, and that was the very top of the house. That is where the experiences started.
0: And Kate's experiences started off pretty intense.
1: So I must've been about 16 years old. I was now living in that upstairs bedroom on the third floor, laying in bed, minding my own business. I think I might've just been listening to music. I did not have a TV upstairs. It was late at night. The lights were on. I felt that energy in the room shift a little bit. It felt really cold. And when I think about it, I remember it just, I remember the sound of the room sort of ceased to exist. Like I don't remember hearing anything. I felt a giant lick right across the right side of my face. I remember initially just being absolutely frozen, questioning my own sanity, wondering if somehow there was something wet on my bed that I leaned into. Of course, I tried to rationalize it all away. But it, it happened. It definitely happened. Um, I, don't, I don't think I slept in my bed la- that night. I, I ran downstairs. I ended up watching a movie with my brother and um, trying to sort of right off the experience and, and push it away.
0: After that, Kate's experiences just got weirder.
1: So the, the next thing that happened was pretty immediate. It was, you know, within a couple of weeks. And I had a, a traditional sort of like printed calendar hanging on a nail on my closet door. I could see that calendar from where my bed was situated in the room. And again, it was, you know, at nighttime, there was nothing going on. I felt that exact same feeling where like the room felt cooler. There was like a pressure and the calendar on my wall, it was like someone had walked by the calendar and, you know, swatted their hand at the bottom right corner and it sent it pinwheeling on the nail. Um, there was no windows open, there was no wind, it was summer, there was, um, the air conditioning was on, so we wouldn't have had, you know, um, crosswinds coming through the house. Um, I couldn't, again, rationalize it away, which is all I wanted to do, especially as this was the sort of second thing that had happened. As terrified as I was, I was told myself that there's no way that something licked my face, and the calendar thing I saw with my own eyes, so I knew that was real, I insisted on logic. But it didn't really end there. there. There, These little things kept on happening and obviously my sort of discomfort in that house continued to grow and I would feel less and less comfortable being home alone. I would feel less and less comfortable going up to my bedroom. Through those two events, I became more aware of my surroundings. And I think that opened me up a bit more to the other things that came.
0: When you ignore something, it just gets louder and will create other ways to get your attention. It can manipulate situations and put you at blame.
1: Right down the hall from my bedroom on the third floor, there was a tiny little washroom to the left and the attic door straight ahead. Like any old attic that you can imagine, it was full of unused things, you know, boxes of clothes from when we were babies and an old rocking horse. There was a giant solid oak armoire in, in the attic that was there when we moved in. And we didn't think to, to move it out because we really couldn't. It was so heavy and so large, it would have taken a few people to move it, and so we just decided to leave it there. The door on the attic was the original door. It closed very well, and you had to completely turn the doorknob in order to open it. But what was strange is that that door, still, regardless of closing properly, would often just be found open. We never really knew why. There, again, you know, we always sort of chalked it up to a draft or whoever went in last didn't close it properly, but the space was just so rarely used that most of the time we couldn't use that excuse. I was always on the hook for um, the door having been open because of course I lived up there. So naturally my mom or dad would assume that you know I was being careless, that I went in for some reason or another and that I didn't close it properly. Like most addicts, mice populate them. If the door was left open, we would have mice in the house. And so I would always get razzed if the door was left open. Because of that, and also because the space was super creepy, I never touched the door. I did not want to be held responsible and nor did I ever need to open and enter that space. One day I came home from work. You know, this is a number of years sort of after the uh, bedroom Um, incidents and I noticed that the attic door was open and so of course I went to close it so that but as I approached the open attic space to close the door the armoire that was in there was pushed on its side and this is an armoire that weighed for sure a couple hundred pounds for it to have just been on its side was impossible I have never closed that door and run down those stairs as fast as I did that day because I was older at this moment. I, you know, I hadn't had anything happen in a while. What made me more uncomfortable about that was the reaction that my parents had because neither of them could at all explain how that heavy armoire could have been moved without the all grown adults that lived in that house getting together and moving it as a team.
0: The Armour event was hard to ignore, and it was time to discuss the energies that were determined to make themselves known.
1: My mom, over the years, discussed the energy in the house. There was a very obvious male energy that existed on the main level and the second floor. And my mom definitely brought up the fact that there was this male energy. Um, you know, she kind of made like f- comments in passing about him. She was definitely aware of him. In the house, it was very obvious that there were sort of two energies that that existed. There was Upstairs on the third floor felt quite mischievous and I have always described it as like a Loki-like energy, like a really naughty juvenile energy, but that was dark and it was a very sporadic energy. It came and went, it wasn't constant. When it came, it was big and bold energy and it would really like lash out, Um, you know, the calendar, the tongue, the, the armoire, all of those existed up in that space, and that and that energy was was really palpable. And then on the main floor of the house and the second floor where the rest of the bedrooms were, there was this very different energy, a very different presence that was constant. Very obviously a male energy. And anyone who spent any time there um, picked up on it quite immediately. I was very aware of it. I had many experiences with this, this energy. Uh, strangers would make remarks about it that came to visit. My mom was very aware of it. Anyone who stayed for for any period of time had an experience. That consistent male energy on the main floor was, I believe, one of the previous owners, if not the original owner of the home. His role there was very protective. He often occupied the sort of intermediate landing on the main stairwell down to the front door of the house. There were a f- number of sightings there of him, and anyone who who did describe a sighting of him there explained the exact same aesthetic, the same outfit, the same look, the same location. And yet none of these people knew each other. Anyone who saw him described him as being on the taller side, lean, dark hair, facial hair, um, specifically sort of a mustache and some kind of a beard, short, um, like manicured, in a suit. Tight posture, quite formal relatively accurate for someone who might have owned that home in the 20s or 30s.
0: I had my own experience with this spirit, but we'll circle back to that.
1: He was a—he would loom around. You definitely had that sense that there was always someone watching over you. And it didn't feel protective of you. It felt protective of the space. I think that he didn't trust younger people in the home. My mom explained that she didn't feel uncomfortable with him around, as if he trusted her with the care of
0: the home. But when the caretakers of the house, Kate's parents, went away one summer, that responsibility was bestowed upon Kate, and the spirit didn't like it, and he let her know it.
1: The last summer that I spent living in that house before moving out into the world as a teenager, was one of the most active summers as far as things that, that happened there. There was a period of a couple of weeks where my parents and my younger brother decided to go away. My older brother had already moved out and they left the house in my care. The first sort of incident that occurred once they left was an evening where I had had a friend over We were in the basement, and two girlfriends of mine, they had come over and rang the doorbell a number of times, to which I did not hear, even though we had speakers throughout the whole house. So not only could they hear the doorbell ringing from where they were, but anyone in any part of the house would have heard the doorbell ringing if they were inside, and I never heard it ring one time. After they had rung the doorbell a few times, through the glass, there were sort of um, stained glass panes on the front door, on the window of the front door. And from there, you could see the landing way, the midpoint landing way up the main staircase into the upstairs. And in the dark, they saw a figure. They assumed that the reason I wasn't answering the door was probably because I had a boy over. And so when they saw the figure of this man, they left. About an hour later or so, I got a phone call from them sort of poking fun at me like, Kate, why didn't you answer the door? Like, you have someone there, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, of course I have someone here. Connor's here, like was a mutual friend of all of ours. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they, they said, you know, we rang the doorbell multiple times and we saw this guy. It definitely wasn't Connor on your stairs which, of course, is the most horrifying thing you could ever imagine hearing. So thankfully, Connor was there with me. We, you know, went to the stairs. We looked around the house, you know, not that this was like news to me that the sighting of this man, this wasn't the first time, but it was the first time that two people at the exact same time in the presence of each other saw the exact same thing.
0: But the spirit of the man didn't stop there.
1: Later that week, I was doing what most teenagers do and staying up late, sort of talking to friends on the computer. Um, you know, it was the early days of the internet, so, you know, it was very much novel. And would be like 3, 4 in the morning, and I'd be typing away. The area of the house where we had the computer set up was sort of this, like, makeshift office. It's kind of at the top of the old stairs that made stairs that led up from the kitchen. And so sort of nestled in between the two staircases and back to the bedroom doors, which were like parlor doors, you know two doors side by side that could open simultaneously, both with original crystal doorknobs um, that were uh, original to the home. And then you know in that little pocket was me on my computer typing away into the wee hours of the night. It was the first time in a long time that I experienced that same sort of energy shift that would happen up on the third floor bedroom where the pressure in the room changed. It felt like tight and it got really cold. And that feeling didn't happen very often. So when it did, I immediately got my back up. And from behind me, I could hear the two parlor door door doorknobs start to jostle. And I whipped my head around and both doors were being, were, were shaking as if someone on the other side was, had a hand on each knob and was trying really hard to like open two locked doors. Initially, there was, you know, a paralyzed sense of panic. You know, is there someone in the house? I'm home alone. Again, like you're trying to make yourself understand what's going on. And, And in that moment, both possibilities are terrifying because either there's someone on the other side of those doors that is physically in the house trying to hurt you, or there is a... Uh, ghost or spirit that is trying to enter those doors. Either way, not a great
0: feeling. The spirit of the man went to great lengths to show his disapproval.
1: Later in that week, one, girlfriends of mine particularly seemed to make the man feel threatened or uncomfortable, and so when she was around, she really seemed to draw out activity Uh, was over again, and we were, you know, we spent most of the evening in the kitchen, we were making food, we were watching movies, the TV was down there, um, and she stayed the night, you know, just a typical kind of teenage girl hangout. And when I woke up in the morning, um, the, the freezer door was sort of like a little bit ajar, and the ice cube tray that was built into the freezer which had you know an ice machine in it the sort of the piece that the ice would fall down like a slide from the actual part of the freezer where it was being made was literally broken in half like someone went in and intentionally like broke the piece in half so that the ice would no longer fall into the bin you know, there, this was sort of another, just one of those examples of, of strange little things that would happen that no one observed. Um, you know, there would definitely have been no reason for either um, the friend or myself to, to do that. In fact, I don't believe there was any reason for either of us to have even gone into the freezer. Um, so there really was never an explanation for that event. I mean, my parents came home a number of days later, and upon their arrival, they were infuriated because there were a number of other little things that had Uh, gone on in the house a couple little things they found out of place and then the the real issue was that a a large um water main in our backyard had burst and flooded the backyard more than just bursting it was it was obvious that this had been done um so much so that I, i got blamed for it and they were initially really angry with me um i never even knew that this water main existed And at that moment was when my mom actually said, you know, who's been here with you this week? And I I explained, you know, that this one girlfriend had primarily been the person to stay with me and that there had been some really disturbing and creepy things that went down, um, you know, while she was there and also while she was not there. And it was in that moment that she suggested that that friend maybe no longer come over.
0: So Kate then moves out to start her life as an adult. Years go by, and she's now entered a new stage of life that has brought her back to her parents' home. But this time it's different. She's ready to confront the man because she has something to protect, and she will do it at all costs.
1: About 10 years later, I found myself back in my parents' place Uh, living with them so that they could help me sort of take care of my new baby. I was a new mom and had been living in Toronto and needed a little bit of help through those early days. So my son and I moved back in and we occupied the original master bedroom of the house. As a new mom, you're up all night long, you know, waking every couple of hours to feed your baby and, you know, soothe your baby. And so sleep is not really a thing. And you become a creature of the night and, you know, become aware of sort of this whole other world that exists. It was really apparent right away that this man was yet again in our presence. And he would always sort of just loom around the perimeter of the bedroom, um, sort of near the main door, but there was sort of a corner, a dark corner that he would always occupy. And being a new mom is so intimate. You know, you're exposed, you're nursing, you're vulnerable. And because of that, I felt really uncomfortable with his presence. I think he was just curious, and I think he wanted to know why, you know, after all of these years, there was someone in his bedroom, um, or so I take it, or so I see it. He, you know, it was the original master bedroom of the house, and all of a sudden, there's this woman and her baby living in it. But after a few nights of him being there, knowing that he was there, I started to feel angry. I started to feel like uh, a protective mama bear and I didn't feel comfortable leaving my son in the room alone. And I didn't like being in the room. I didn't wanna sleep there because I felt like I was constantly being surveyed. I just decided in that moment that I was gonna call him out. I spoke out loud and very firmly and told him that he was no longer welcome in this space and that I understood he felt a great deal of concern over this home and that he felt protective and that I understood that, but that now I was no longer interested in his visiting. It didn't feel comfortable and I wanted him to leave, that this was my baby and my time and he was no longer welcome in the space. That night I went to sleep having... Felt like I was acting like a crazy person because I was speaking out loud to this thing but he didn't show himself again so I th- I thought that my conversation with him was um taken seriously and respected and that was a very welcome change. Since that night I have definitely been Aware of shifts in energy in different homes that I've lived in. I had one other similar experience with my son who observed a figure in in a bedroom that that he occupied a number of years ago and we decided to handle it in the same way. Um, And since then, we've really developed that sort of attitude. Um, I've raised my son to, uh, you know, if he feels nervous, he does what I taught him to, and and politely excuses that energy from the space. We have recently um, moved into a home that we own, and it did not come with a very clean history, and I worked really hard initially before we moved into the space to really clear that negative energy out. I do not have any desire to sort of search out the unknown. I'm not interested in finding these spirits or entities. In fact, I prime the spaces that I'm in so that they do not occupy them with me. I feel like my ideas about the afterlife are always changing. I definitely believe that energy can get stuck. And I don't even think that it needs to necessarily be someone who's dead. I think it can even be the energy of someone that's living All we are is an exchange of energy. So even from like a very logical, scientific place, it makes perfect sense that, um, you know, certain feelings or events can get trapped in an object or in an environment. That house that I spent my teenage years in was recently sold to a new family. And I think I'm always going to wonder if they have had to go through the same things again with the man that occupies it. And I wonder if they see him or feel him. And I wonder often how they are going to decide to assert themselves against his presence.
0: I've known Kate for a few years now. In 2013, we worked on a project together. What we were working on required a big space, so her parents kindly offered their house. It's a beautiful place, really, with giant gardens and magnificent windows. I was there for most of the day. Kate had to excuse herself for a few minutes just to go get something upstairs, and I stood in the kitchen alone. To my right, I looked down a long hallway that opened up to the main foyer of the house. And there, right in front of me, stood a man wearing a brown suit with a mustache and a little bit of a beard and he was very concerned. The overwhelming paranoia coming off of him got to me, and I looked down at my hands. As I looked back up, he was gone. But he did loom around the house for the rest of the day. I felt like he was in every corner and in every shadow. I never mentioned anything to Kate. In fact, her and I never really touched base about this story until we sat down for this interview. I will never forget the man in the brown suit, and I don't think anyone else that visits that house, or lives there, will either. If you have a story you've been hiding, submit it to us at geistpodcast.com. Geist is written and directed by me, Daniel Matar. Original score and sounds by Bo Jensen. Geist web artwork is by Jake Carruthers. Special thanks goes to Kate and Sarah Hahn. Follow us on Instagram at Geist And don't forget to subscribe and rate Geist on Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for people to find us. We're so appreciative of the support and ratings we've gotten so far. So until next time, sleep tight. On the next episode of Geist. Coming around the corner, sort of having all these thoughts, like it's kind of miss my siblings, and then looking at the end of the hall, and then that's when this lady, a silhouette, just rushed towards me and stopped right in front of me.